Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. And while you're turning there, let me ask you a question. How many of us have enemies? You might want to raise your hand on that one. How many of us have enemies? I don't think you have to be an adult even to answer that question. And, and, and sometimes I think when we answer that question, we think of what an enemy is. You know, that, that, that means that we're, I don't know, maybe we're meeting them out in the parking lot to, to bust heads or something like that. I, I don't think that's what you have to have to, to have somebody who qualifies as an enemy. I'm thinking about people that, I don't know, they just kind of make my blood pressure go up. My anxiety kind of goes, goes a little bit wild. And I don't know, for, for whatever reason, maybe they always seem like, like they're fighting against me or, or the, what I'm trying to accomplish. Maybe I'm just thinking about somebody that if I know they're going to be there, I would just as soon not be there. But you know, most people act like they don't have any enemies. That's kind of what y'all did just a minute ago, right? And I don't know why we act like we don't have enemies. I think part of the reason is that if I don't identify somebody as an enemy, then I don't really have to think about what it was that Jesus told us pretty specifically about enemies. Sometimes we have enemies that are out in the world, and because of their worldliness as it relates to our faith, they can become our enemies. Sometimes you can have enemies in the church. You know, a lot of Jesus' enemies were people he went to church with. There was a great deal of, of religious angst against him. Sometimes people have enemies in their own family, don't we? Jesus said, do not say that I came to bring peace on earth, I came to bring a sword. Matthew 10 and verse 36, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. It's the reason you struggle sometimes at Thanksgiving and Christmas, when you get together with your family. I don't know who your enemies are, but I'm just kind of asking, you have them in your mind. You thinking about that person? You can have an enemy when you're a teenager, and you can have an enemy when you're 80 years old. And the truth is, if you don't have any enemies, congratulations. You have accomplished something that not even the Son of God could accomplish. Because even Jesus had enemies. In Luke chapter 19 there's a picture of the judgment day. And in verse 27, the Lord says, Bring here those enemies of mine who do not want me to reign over them. You know, there were some people who did not want to have Jesus as the Lord of his life. He says, those are my enemies. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 39, Jesus said it is the enemy. It's the enemy who sowed, who sowed the bad things in the field. The enemy who sowed them, he says, is the devil himself. How did Jesus deal with his enemies? You thinking about them? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand again, but, but maybe, maybe you're thinking about them. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 43 through 44, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Can I tell you that makes sense to me? That just makes sense to me. The fleshly side of me. You love people that love you. You don't love. I guess you can go as far as say that, 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 that you hate people that, that are your enemies. 
There's a way that seemeth right to a man, but it's a way that leads to death. I'm telling you, that seems right to me, but I'm also telling you, it's a way that will lead to death. But I say to you, I'm going to turn it upside down. I, I want you to go against your gut. I don't want you to do just what feels right to you, because that will lead you to death and destruction. I'm telling you, whether the enemies in the world, in the church, in your home, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's a mouthful, isn't it? That's a mouthful. If anybody's ever cursed you, and probably some of you have been cursed before, if anybody has ever, has ever hated you, no matter how good you treated them, they didn't want anything to do with you. If anyone has ever used you, some of you know what it means to be used by other people. If anybody has ever persecuted you, they've worked against you. Jesus says, well, I know a lot of people who treated me that way, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to love them. I want you to pray for them. I want you, I want you to bless them. Everybody intimidated by that? That's a pretty tall order. There's a lot of stuff that's real easy for me to do. That is not one of them. But here's what's at stake. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the, and on the unjust. How big of a deal is us learning to love our enemies. See, so often, we, I think we're just good with our hate. We're good having grudges. We're, we're good having, having things that come between us. I can tell you personally as a preacher, sometimes people will tell me stories about how there's something between them and a brother or a sister in Christ, and they will tell me about things that people have said or done or were, not last week. No, 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 that hardly ever happens. Usually when somebody wants to tell it, they want to tell something, they want to say something happens 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I'm just telling those people in churches they've been holding grudges for a lifetime, sometimes 40 and 50 years ago. Well, Jesus says you, 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 you may do that, but, but don't call yourself a Christian. Don't say you look like me, because if you look like me, that's not how you handle things. Matter of fact, he says if we back up a little bit here, and you know this, as we back up a little bit here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says if you bring your gift to the altar and remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. This is challenging. But if you love those who love you, then... What reward have you? Some people are easier to love than others, aren't they? Some people really love you, and it's really easy to love those people. That's, that's reality. But if those are the only people that we love, do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so also? To understand that there is fellowship and community in places other than the church that belongs to Jesus Christ. 
It's not fellowship in Christ, but it's fellowship. People have community in places that don't have anything godly to do about them. Matter of fact, some of the most ungodly places have an incredible sense of community, an incredible sense of family, if you will. Jesus says, if you only love people that love you, big deal. The most wicked people in the world love each other. I'm asking you to, I'm asking you to take it to another level. Jesus didn't just talk a big game about this. He didn't just give you and, you and I an incredible challenge in regards to these things. He also he lived it. He didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. He did not simply want to be vindicated. He did not simply want his enemies to be defeated. He wanted He wanted to save their souls. He wanted them to be forgiven, not in a passive-aggressive sort of way, like sometimes we we want people to be. He literally wanted them. That's what would make him happy. That's what would please him. There was a a meme that was going around quite some time ago, but but it was picturing the Christian life, and and it was picturing those, those who had died those who had died at the hands of Saul of Tarsus. And the point was that when those Christians who had died and breathed their last breath as a result of Christian persecution at the hands of Saul of Tarsus, and the next thing that they saw was the apostle walking into heaven, they would rejoice. That is not where our world is, but that's where we are. That's where we're called to be. So how can we love our enemies in the same way that Jesus loved our enemies? Well, I think it starts by understanding them. You know, Jesus was actually okay with having enemies, as long as they were his enemies for the right reason. He didn't say you shouldn't have enemies. He almost just assumed, well, you're going to have enemies. Why are they my enemies? Paul said in Romans 12 and verse 18, As much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. So, so I, I, I need to understand someone may be my enemy and it may not have anything to do with me or anything I can control. That's reality. Now, someone might be my enemy. And the truth is I could take care of it if I would only swallow my own pride. If I would go and I would apologize to them. Or maybe I've been a jerk to them. Or maybe, maybe if I just invited them to lunch. Maybe if I sat down for 10 minutes and listened to them, then they wouldn't be my enemy anymore. Well, if I'm willing to do that and they, and they cannot be my enemy, that's what he says you need to do. But you might do that for someone and they might still be your enemy. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, well then let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. To to understand, to understand that sometimes people are going to be your enemies, and it's not because of something that you've done to cause them to be your enemy. Jesus, he didn't like that, but he understood that. Matter of fact, you could keep reading in the text here in 1 Peter 3, and back up in 1 Peter 3, he speaks of having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it's better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. I just want to know why, why are you my enemy? So I can figure out, okay, can I, 
Is there something I need, I need to do to fix this? If there is, then do it. If there's not, well, then I'm going to put you into that category of people I'm going to go out of my way to love. Some people are enemies because of matters of faith, because of things that are taught, because of things that are said. I'm reminded of John chapter 8 when the people took up stones to throw at Jesus. You remember why? They wanted to kill him because he claimed to be the great I am. He claimed to be God. That's a true statement. Well, if that's what caused them to want to kill him, that's on them. That's not on Jesus. So we need to understand why are these people our enemies? And then, and then if they're still our enemies in spite of what we are striving to do to keep them from being our enemies, the example of Jesus is that we serve them. So often I was struck in John 13, in John 13, verses 5 and 10, that Jesus not only washed the disciples' feet, He washed the feet of Judas. He washed the feet of the person that He already knew was going to betray Him. He washed the feet of the person that He knew was, was going to sell Him out for 30 pieces of silver. And there were times when they would say, well, if He only knew, if He only knew what sort of people He was around, He did know. He did know. He didn't go around the room and say, all right, I'm, I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to wash everybody's feet. Every one of you that's following me, not you. Can you imagine what it would have been like not just, to wash those, not just to wash the disciples' feet, but to wash the feet of Judas? Listen, I'm going to do good unto all, but I'm going to do the same good to my enemies that I, want, that I do to others. That's not easy. That's something that has to be done intentionally to intentionally look like Jesus if you have enemies if you have enemies Jesus said I want you to, I want you to bless them I want you to pray for them bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you pray for those who spitefully use you what does it mean to bless them well say something good about them say something good about them it's easy to say good things about some people, but what about your enemies? That's hard, isn't it? You're going to have to do that on purpose. Some, and I'm not going to tell you, some people, you've got to work a little bit harder to come up with something good about them. I'm not saying make it up. But force yourself to say something good about them, say something positive about them. And what you'll do is you'll force yourself to see a reality, and you'll also, you'll also impact that individual. Do good to them. Take them a pie. Right? Mow their yard. I don't know. Send them, send them a thank you note or send, send, send them a nice card. Dude, we know how to do good. If anybody brings me a pie this week, I will know it's not because of this sermon, so don't worry about it, okay? Y'all had plans. But I need to be on a diet. I shouldn't even say that. Okay, but, but that's what Jesus is saying. Find some way to do good for your enemies. Pray for them. Not in a hateful way, not in a spiteful way, not in a, I'm praying for you. That's not what he's saying. Legitimately, pray for them. Take their name before God that, 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 that they would not only be forgiven, that their, that their hearts would be softened, that you could be reconciled. Pray for good things. That's what Christians do. That's what Jesus did. Don't attack them. Don't attack them. This is tough. I've, I've often said, in my own life this is hard, but especially I found this to be hard in the raising of my children. We don't attack our enemies. 
we do not attack our enemies. Yeah, but, but uh, no, there's no buts. In particular, when you're able to attack your enemies. You don't get any badge when you're not able to attack. But, but if you're able to attack and you don't attack, oh, that, that's, this, that's this rare jewel. That's this rare jewel. Jesus says, I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. That's hard. That's rare. Paul would say, Paul would say that we are to never, in the book of Romans, we are to never take our own revenge, but yet leave room for the wrath of God. That's, that's not something that comes from the flesh. That's something that comes from the example of Christ. We think about Jesus on the cross, and we sing about how he could have called 10,000 angels, and he could have, and he would have been completely justified to do so. People spit on him, people beat him, people, people destroyed his body, and yet he died for you and me. Not only did he take it, not only did he take it, but Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 2, when he was reviled, he did not even revile in return. He didn't even say anything. And for somebody that likes to use words, that is amazing to me. He didn't even say anything. And we think about Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount and what it means to turn the other cheek. And I may not know exactly what that means, but I do know this. I want to spend a lot more time trying to live that out. I want to spend more time trying to live that out than I do spend time trying to explain why that doesn't really mean what it says. Don't attack your enemies, because Jesus did not. What did he do? He died for them. He died for his enemies. He didn't just die for good people. He died for wretches like you, like me. See, no one ever, no one ever doubts the idea that we should serve people, even serve our enemies. I, I, that, that's not controversial at all. But I'm going to tell you when you have that conversation, everybody likes to put the brakes on. Everybody likes to say, well, well, we should serve, but to a point. I'm just going to tell you, Jesus never taught that. He never taught that. He himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. The limits, the limits of Philippians 2 in the mind of Christ says that he became obedient to the point of death, but that's not all it says, even death on the cross, as if dying for someone wouldn't be enough. Even a cruel death. That's the example. That's what Jesus did. Everything within his power to save their souls. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 30 and verse 18 that the Lord longs to be gracious to you. When you think about your enemy and your, and your engagement with them, do you really long to be gracious to them? That's about attitude, right? I think usually I'm doing pretty good just to make myself not retaliate, but I don't really want good things for them. That means I got some work to do. On my heart. Because Jesus looks and he says he longs to be gracious to them. I know this is hard. 
Uh, This is not an easy thing. We talk about this from time to time, but but this is hard to live out. I know it's hard, but I think that, that the key to it, the key to really learning how to love our enemies is to realize that you are the enemy. You're the enemy. Not those people. We talk about Jesus and his footsteps. Who are his enemies? That'd be you. That'd be me. Paul would say in Romans 5 and verse 10, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. See, I've got to get this, that I was the enemy that Christ loved. I was the enemy that Christ loved. And when I understand that, it impacts how I deal with my enemies because my response to my enemies is not is not based upon what they have done or upon what they deserve. My response to my enemies should be based upon what Jesus has done for me as his enemy. That's why we talk about forgiving as we have been forgiven. We all have enemies. Jesus had enemies. And we even fit into that category. But let us walk in His steps and love as He loved. The truth is that Jesus loves us not because of who we are. We all know better than that. He loves us in spite of who we are. That's His grace. That's His mercy. And knowing every sinful thing about my life and your life, He still dies for us. He still pays the debt for us. And He still invites us to walk with Him. Friends, if you're here tonight, if you're here tonight and you're outside of the body of Christ, repent, be baptized, and have your sins washed away. Be added unto His church. If you're here tonight and and sin is ruling your life, and you know you need to repent of it, but you don't think anybody knows, God knows. I may not know, but God knows. And He still says, I want you to come home. I want you to repent. Bring me the burdens that I already know about and I will bear them with you. Friends, if you have a need tonight, may we walk in the steps of Jesus as we stand and as we sing.